Wow. Welcome to Apples and Oranges. My name is Matthew. And I'm Jack. And this is the podcast where we debate our guest on super random topics. Today with us is comedian Maxim Allen. What's up? I I love the theme song so much. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I was not expecting it to be as much of a banger as it was. <laughs> Shout out to Nate, our second guest, for pulling that one together for us. Nice. Yeah. I love it. Um, before yeah. we begin, Maxim, do you have any like debate experience? Uh, any clubs or? No, none whatsoever. In fact, like I, I have been known in the past to argue solely based on my emotions and no evidence. People will be like, well, why do you think that way? I'm like, well, because it's a vibe. I don't give a shit about like <laughs> the documentation here. <laughs> so let me ask them, what's the last debate you won? Oh my gosh. Last debate I won. I I don't know. I'm not very like, I don't uh, clash in this way with people. So I don't, I never square up to someone and debate the ethics of something or like, like what they should think about something. Like, I, I just feel like I just am friends with so many people like me that I'm just like, they, they all get it. I don't, there's no need <laughs> for me to argue. <laughs> this is the perfect show for you. Awesome. I'm, I'm excited to test the waters. If it gets yeah. too heated, um, we can stop being friends anytime you want. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's going to work perfectly. Yeah. It's the perfect time to break outside that echo chamber. <laughs> well, yeah. why don't we go ahead and get started? I've got the topic generator right here. Uh, you got if, it up and running? Did you, yeah. did you pull, the, pull the little thing? I did. It, it's, I did. it, it runs on diesel. Yeah. It does. It oh runs on diesel. It's effectively a chainsaw. Um, but chainsaw meets lawnmower meets supercomputer. It's involved. This show yeah. is not good for the environment, so you should appreciate it a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we use the same uh, supercomputer that we, we have, you know, rigged up to uh, create um, non-fungible tokens. Yeah. <laughs> this episode is currently worth uh, zero Ethereum right now. So buy up. <laughs> Um, well, are you two lads ready for your topics? Let's do it. As all okay. Over. So, Matthew, you are going to be arguing in favor of a U.S. state, whichever one you'd like. Uh, and Maxim, you are going to be arguing for a movie over a U.S. state. So take your choice for a movie. Uh, Matthew, are you ready to make an opening statement? I absolutely am. Please. New York, the greatest state in the world. Let's talk ab about NYS, New York State. You got the city, and everyone loves the city. You've heard it talked to death. But now let's talk about USNYS, upstate. That's right. Upstate New York, it's a hub, it's a vibe. You got Westchester, you got Utica, you got Saratoga. You got them all. These beautiful industrial landscapes, they, they have nature, but they also have the appeal of urbanity. You can stop by your favorite bodega while also go grazing with the cows. And for those reasons, and many more probably in this debate, I will say New York State is better than any movie on the silver screen or otherwise. Mm. Strong words. Maxim. I'm going to say uh, if you like the industrialization, then there is no better movie, movie to turn to than the original Blade Runner director's cut. <laughs> because anything you can find in New York City, you can find it in the two hour long <laughs> movie of Blade Runner. You get the, the city grime. You get uh, fake. An you get animals. They are fake. You think I could afford a real snake? Come on. And you get the the grimness. What what do you move to New York for? You come to New York to feel bad around as many people as possible. <laughs> to wallow in the filth. Always in the rain. Always on the train. I say. And if you're looking for a vibe, look no further than Blade Runner to get your New York fix. Wow. Um, just full disclosure, the director's cut of Blade Runner is just one of my favorite movies, low key. So just getting that bias out there. Uh, I'll start with a question uh, for Matthew. Yeah. Uh, so 
obviously, Matthew, Maxim has chosen the director's cut of Blade Runner, giving him a bit of an advantage. What would like the director's cut of New York State look like? So first of all, it's a very difficult question because if you were the director, it doesn't need a director's cut. To me, what a director's cut says to me, if a movie needs a director's cut, it means they didn't get it right the first time. It means that they had to snip, snip, snip around uh, Harrison Ford saying the N-word. It's <laughs> The movie was flawed and they had to fix it. New York State, there's nothing to change. Nothing to change. It's a wonderful city in a wonderful state. You can see the horses race and you can see the rat race. All in one state. All under one roof. The Big Apple. Blade Runner, you cannot do that. It is not real. <laughs> okay maxim how do you how do you respond to those scathing allegations oh my god i also do you guys have debate experience is this where this is coming from <laughs> no, no. I, I don't think either of us okay. have debate experience all right great I, I was like wow this got way more serious than i thought it would <laughs> <laughs> but i i would say um the thing is is it's not blade runner's fault that we had to bring it to the director's cut. Okay. I know there's four versions of the movie, maybe even five. Okay. The theatrical cut, terrible. We all know it was terrible. Okay. <laughs> you don't need Harrison Ford narrating over that beautiful movie, but that wasn't their fault. That was the studio that owned it. As for New York, New York state, New York state is always in this theatrical release. Like people only move here because they are disillusioned in some ways. The only like, like the best propaganda for New York is the least accurate representation of New York as well. We've all seen Seinfeld. We've all seen friends. We've all seen broad city. We love them. Okay. None of these things are what at New York actually is. All right. I almost got robbed three days ago next to my apartment. I told the man, no, I would not walk over to him. And I ran away. This is this. I don't know. I'm not even <laughs> arguing like coherently. <laughs> no, no. That's what this That's what Apples and Oranges is all about. I would um, say also, um, yeah, Blade Runner, favorite movie of all time. New York, um, maybe like number four or five on my state's list. Like, yeah, personally. I'm actually curious, Matthew, why you chose New York State. Um, New York State, number one, baby. I was born in this state. I'm from here. I live here currently. It's a wonderful state. NY represent. I I come from the, um, I'm a real New Yorker. I come from the borough of Westchester. Um, Yeah. And and let me tell you, it's, it's great. Blade Runner. Well, let me tell you a bit about Blade Runner. The universe of Blade Runner is so seedy. You would, (laughs) if you, if that guy was in Blade Runner was like, come across the street and you were like, no, and tried to run away. You know what he'd do? Probably do something robot and then, you know, kill you, tears and rain. I don't know. It's been a minute since I've seen the movie. Here's what I'll say. <laughs> Blade Runner, at its best, could happen in present day New York. Wow. Yeah. That's a, that's that's a brave right. statement. Uh, Max, I have a question for you mm-hmm. as well. Uh, you know, we're comparing a state here with a movie. You yourself, you lived in New York State. What would your life be like if you were to live in Blade Runner? So much cooler. Way sadder, <laughs> but so much cooler. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. I don't know. Maybe I'm just one of these like mid 20s guys who just like sci fi too much. And it's like, man, I wish everything was like a cyberpunk shithole because it's such a mood, you know? No, I agree with that. <laughs> we currently live in a cyberpunk shithole. That's I mean, America right now. I mean, but the problem is, is there's still hope here. So it hurts when the hope is taken away. I'd rather live in a hopeless place where it just <laughs> never felt good. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I don't know. I uh I I want to I think it's cool I don't I don't know the uh, the underlying themes of like what is human what is consciousness that's amazing I I don't think anyone in New York City has like ever taken a moment to reflect on the spirituality of their or the nature of their be- being they're just like can I get a bacon egg and cheese <laughs> like that's that's a New York baby I would say that the more human thing is a state bustling with people than 
a movie that was that like what it stars a few people you know how many people are in new york like a lot that's more it's more human it's better because people are good they're real people no replicants i would say for the vast majority of americans watching blade runner twice in one in one day would probably be more than enough of their fill of New York City for their entire lifetime. They'd be like, "All right, I got the point. I'm not. I don't want to move to this city." You know. Next, it's such a it's such a piss poor depiction of such a wonderful, vibrant place. <laughs> <laughs> and Blade Runner does take place in Los Angeles, Angeles, but that's right. That's right. I don't know. I haven't been over there. I'm sure it's covered in pee and robot corpses. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which. At its best is New York, which is great. Pee and robot <laughs> corpses? Come on now. Hell yeah. It's like the best part of Blade Runner, and we already have it here. All this, <laughs> all this talk of pee and robot corpses has kind of led me to my decision. Like you're going to say uh, it's making me hungry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, hungry for New York State, because Matthew, you've won this one. Oh, totally. Hands down, he's won that I'm, one. I'm sorry, Max. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you were going in with a pretty big advantage. Like, I love Blade Runner, uh, but now I hate it yeah. because of you. <laughs> no. The only thing um, Jack loves more than Blade Runner is upstate New York. Everyone's true. favorite place. <laughs> I'm realizing I was like, I'm more compelled to like agree and collaborate on things than I am to like fight to the death on any type of hill like i'm sure. not <laughs> it's the perfect show for you yeah this all is right. great all right are you two ready for the next debate yes. yes let's do it all right jack you've got to argue in favor of the best type of crime type of crime okay yeah that's right and Maxim, you've got to argue in favor of a video game franchise. All right. Okay. Jack, right. uh, would you like to begin? I would like to begin in a couple seconds after I just check a source uh, <laughs> based on, you know, just making sure. Hold on. I'll ask you. you Larson is burning. Is Larson, is Larson burning things? Larceny is different from arson, if that's what you're asking. Arson, right? Yes. Arson, arson is, is burning. burning. Yeah. Okay, arson is the best crime. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is just the most badass crime, like, provided you're, I mean, you know, we saw The Dark Knight a couple weeks ago, Matthew. Remember when Joker burned all that money? That was pretty sick. I thought that yeah, was a cool I shot. I love the Joker. He's the Joker, baby. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think he's the best Lars- guy. Why so serious and all that? Sorry, continue. No, no, of course. I, I mean, you know, I like a spectacle. Uh, and I think what better spectacle in crime than lighting shit on fire? I think that's so dope. It's one of our greatest inventions as Homo sapiens. And it's sometimes we just got to flex it off, you know? We just got to flex the fact that we can burn shit. Uh, so arson is the best crime. I'm going to yield my time. Wow. This, this is hurting my head thinking about how I'm going to navigate this argument, but I'm just going <laughs> to do, do a standalone here. Okay, World of Warcraft is the best game of all time. Okay, best video game for sure. And the reason why is because you can play by yourself. You can play with other people. You can play against other people. You can even pretend that you are having sex with other people if you're one of those people who does that in the game. But World of Warcraft has been out for 16, 17 years now. Jesus Christ. And I think if you if you start playing World of Warcraft day one, you would have more your your account would be worth more than any low arson you could pull off. Like, I don't think you can you can't pull off arson easily, but you can definitely spend like three hours a week slowly building up your favorite character to its maximum level. And also um, collectible gear sets and mounts and pets and what? Come on, there's so much to do. There's so much to see. Why would you spend your time burning down like a trailer or something? I'll tell you why. Oh, 
Unless, Please. unless your highness, your judgeness, if you'd like to ask a question, I'm of course. I, I would, Jack. Earn your favor, Jack. What could you gain uh, personally by setting things on fire? Um, you know, I think there's just this this thing within humans, a sort of divine spark, where when we light shit on fire, it really takes us back to those ancient times, right? When we discovered fire, uh, they just that like feeling of destruction. You can't get that when you're on a screen, you know. Maybe you could probably light shit on fire in World of Warcraft, but you're in front of your computer, all this talk of Blade Runner and technological dystopias and made me realize that that's what we're becoming. You know, we're going to be, yeah, sure, you could spend hours on World of Warcraft. You just go outside, find a nice building or car or infinite choices, really. Light it on fire and just feel that heat within yourself of how you just are able to destroy things and mold the world around you, not just some line of code in World of Warcraft. 17 years old, we've had fire for like, you know, millennia. And we also have had consequences for millennia. And that's where your argument crumbles. (laughs) (laughs) Is because there are only a few things you can light on fire and get away with it. Like, if they're big things, the big... the potential, like the better the fire, like the less likely you are to get away with having that fire. That's the problem with fire is it kind of has like this, like the risk versus reward is not a great ratio, you know, like don't you want to, you want to put like a lot of risk. You want to put like a lot of risk up front to get big reward. But with that big consequence, you go to jail, you're doing arson, you're committing arson. You're getting that insurance money. They find out about that very easily. To pull off arson in a home or an office building, very difficult. Because firefighters, like, they see it all the time. They just go in there and, like, look, someone loosened this and clearly set this whole place on fire to get some money. Consequences, okay? As for, like, cars, I think, like, yeah, you can Molotov a car, probably. And you could probably get away with that. But, like, not high reward. It's kind of okay. But I'm, I think arsonists out there, they know the consequences. They're totally fine getting arrested. You know, I, I think that's, that's something we need to be, it needs to be completely removed from the equation because we don't do things because they're easy. We do them because they are hard and sure. It may be easy to sit down play some wow, whatever the kids are calling it, but to have the chutzpah to go out and to just light some shit on fire, that takes some real gall, some real virility, some real like power with inside yourself. And I think even if you are to get a life sentence, you know, maybe death penalty from lighting shit on fire, uh, I think you're going to be better off spiritually uh, knowing that you've pushed yourself to the max. You know, you've, you've gone to where no one else has gone before uh, being the best arsonist. I don't know why you would exercise your free will in such a dangerous manner. You can hurt yourself. You can hurt other people. You will probably go to jail. There's a lot of bad things about arson. The only good thing about arson is that it is fun to do as soon as you do it. And then anytime after it is done, there are problems. There are like, you got to dispose of evidence. You have to get a lawyer. You have to not get arrested it's a whole thing. And why would you spend all your energy doing that, all your time and hard-earned insurance money lawyering up when you could have just sat down and spent a couple hours just killing dragons, just walking through dungeons, you know? So I've got a question for you, Maxim. Yeah. So what does World of Warcraft have to offer um, that uh, gives the uh, the primal... Uh, feeling of the cleansing flame. <laughs> Let me tell you, there is nothing like getting a full set of high-level PvP gear, entering a battleground, and just murdering plebes one after another in front of their teammates. There is nothing like it. There, are, I cheer at my table at my desk when I am on a hot streak. It is that good stuff. You want that primal competition? Look no further than a fully geared death knight. Mm-mm. Unstoppable. I think I've heard enough. Um, the winner of this debate is none other than Maxim. I mean, yes. Jack, arson? What were you thinking? A crime no! for the debate? 
What, what were you thinking? <laughs> All right, now, now make me make me battle Jack again. Okay, don't make me battle Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what's funny though, Maxim? The first like couple episodes, uh, and even I was, like I was winning episodes. zero debates. Yeah, yeah, I Matthew was just not was... winning any debates. <laughs> but he popped off last episode, Loki. Um, and oh, thank you. This one, presumably, uh, I'm curious to see how he's going to handle this next topic. I've got my groove back. I bet I will. Yes. <laughs> All right. Matthew, your topic is bird. You know, whatever kind of avian creature. Uh, Maxim, your topic is musical instrument. Oh, boy. Okay. And uh, Matthew, whenever you're ready, thinking of a bird, you may yeah. begin. Let's talk about the the cutest little ball of hope in all of the animal kingdom, none other than the parakeet. That's right, the parakeet. Pet to some, nature animal to others, you know, animal in nature, not just in the home. But it's a wonderful beast, the parakeet is, and I'll tell you why. They are all sorts of wonderful colors. They are extremely friendly. They have they have a very uh, a very uh, wonderful disposition. They they love people. You know uh, they are just delightful little creatures. Their song is wonderful to the ear. Um, you know I don't remember what topic Maxim is arguing in favor of, so I think for now I'm just going to leave it at that. You and other song is delightful to the ear. The opening of Thunderstruck by ACDC. Because the guitar is the greatest instrument of all time. And even I, someone who has never played an instrument, nor can I play an instrument, believes the guitar is the greatest instrument of all time. Okay? You can play blues, jazz, rock, death metal you can play like sissy little acoustic coffee shop music you can play country there's a whole spectrum of things that can be played on guitar you can play it with headphones on plugged into your guitar you can play silently to yourself basically you can play plugged into a wall of sound that echoes throughout a stadium that sets off car alarms in the parking lot outside there is such a range this inst- there is no instrument with such a range as the guitar. And it's like, I think about all the days I commute to work and I put in my headphones to listen to some music. Not once have I ever turned on sounds of parakeets. Mm. No, never, not once. But almost all the other music I listen to, sounds of guitar. I rest my case. All right. I got to say here. So let me, let me take you on a little bit of a journey back to the year 1985. It was just before <laughs> school. Marty McFly goes into Doc Brown's garage laboratory. He puts on his guitar, plugs in a bunch of amplifiers he slams one chord and is sent flying across the room. Now that's awfully unsafe, but if he was playing with the parakeet, that would not have happened. So <laughs> I guess what I'm saying here is that parakeets are better for us than guitars. No one has ever hurt their ears from having a parakeet on too loud. No, no parakeet ever gets you know slammed on the stage on Saturday Night Live, upsetting old people. It doesn't, it just doesn't happen. The parakeet is a delightful little fragile little guy that will sing you a tune and fly along on its merry way. The guitar takes up space, too much space, I'll add. You ever listen to guitar music like a band, like a band in big old quotes? It, it'll just be like five different guitars all going over each other. Who wants that? The guitar doesn't know what it wants to be. Are you a banjo? I guess not. You're a guitar, whatever that is. A parakeet knows what it wants to be. It's a small, colorful, little, nice little guy that just wants to make your day just a little better. I have a uh, question for 
both of you, but I'll start with Maxim. Okay. So obviously, you know, these parakeets, they've been basically sculpted by nature into sort of becoming, you know, what they are. Humans, you know, they crafted the guitar. Uh, and uh, damn, I just lost my train of thought there. But we'll pivot this question. <laughs> well, I'm going to respond to that half question and yeah, Matthew's yeah, yeah. statement at the yeah, same what do you time. Think, what do you think of that half question there? That half question, yes, guitars are made by people, okay? Yeah. And to Matthew, I want to say, you know what else a guitar can't do? A guitar can't poop. You don't have to feed a guitar. You don't need like a special weird room in your house with newspaper for flooring to have a guitar. You don't need to be like, you don't need to scoop a bunch of seeds. You don't need to vacuum seeds out of your carpet to have a guitar, okay? And yes, Jack, the guitar was made by mankind. You know what else was made by mankind? Total warfare. And we would not have been able to protest the total warfare of the 60s and 70s without the revolutionary protest music of the time, much of which was played on guitar. Can you imagine a Vietnam War documentary that did not begin with Fortunate Son by Credence Clearwater Revival and instead began with the sound of tweeting parakeets? No. No, it's not right. They like... There is a place in this world for natural things and there is a place in this world for man-made things. And no one has jammed a quarter-inch uh, ox cable down a parakeet's throat to protest the man. Wow. Or, uh, wow, I just, I can't believe that, you know, your perspective is that uh, uh, parakeets are a thing to be kept and owned in a, in a, <laughs> I, wow, I, that's not at all where I was coming from. I've been blindsided. Uh, I, I didn't see that coming at all. Um, no, I mean, a parakeet is, it's a thing of nature, truthfully. So all your, all the issues with keeping a parakeet in, you know, a, a human's place of residence, you're not going to hear any arguments against that from me. They are merely creatures of the Lord. Okay. Now to your point about a uh, Vietnam documentary, you know, uh, not starting with uh, Fortunate Son. Um, I'll make the argument that they usually start with all along the Watchtower, either version. But the point <laughs> is, if it started with parakeets chirping, that would set the tone beautifully for the tranquility of the nature in Vietnam before all the gunfire and the napalm and the helicopters and the fighting. It would perfectly set the tone. The beauty of the parakeet's tone would be undercut by the harshness of the guitar. The harshness, the vile sounds emitted from this devil instrument playing the demon's music for whatever reason. I, I couldn't imagine listening to it. I just, I like to sit down and listen to uh, the local parakeets chirp on by and it, it brings a smile to my face and I drink my tea and I take a, a breath. I'm like, Matthew, this is your life. You're, you're really living it. Uh, yeah. I have a I will question say, for Matthew. Wait. No, please, Maxim, oh, finish yes. your thought. Finish your thought. Okay, final thought here. Okay, you don't have to... Exclu parakeets are not exclusively to be owned, okay? <laughs> but we do own them. And here's the thing. We, human Maxim, human you're, history. you're with revealing a lot about yourself on this podcast, Maxim. Human history without, a, without guitars, there's so much taken away. Human history without parakeets, virtually no impact. Anyway, you were going to say, Jack? I was actually going to say a similar thing, which is as a personal, like just being a selfish human judge of this debate, I think about what would my life look like if parakeets didn't exist versus guitars not existing? Um... What are your thoughts on that statement, Matthew? Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting, you know. Um, uh, look to your left, Jack. Do it. And then look to your right. I've looked. Uh, every, every, yeah. Everything around you, you would not have if not for nature. And that, it's the starting point. You don't get any of humans' developments without uh, a groundwork 
literally in nature. And we're not the only things on this planet, right? So beyond the parakeets, you have the whole animal kingdom. Now you have all the plant life, all the animals, and specifically the parakeets, the best animal, best bird, best animal, best sound. But without that groundwork, you don't have anything else. The parakeet is a representation of the soul of this planet, I would argue, because it, um, it goes back to that, uh, that, that's, that sweet human innocence that we're just, we're trying to get back to. And we keep going further from it with all of our technological innovations and our Blade Runner. But we gotta get back to the parakeet, the simple parakeet, the beginning of it all. As, as they say um, on the seventh day, God created parakeets. And you know, it, it's true, so. Hmm. Well, I'm pretty conflicted, to be honest. Uh, you've both <laughs> given very strong performances this debate round, especially. Um, so I guess one thing I'm wondering, just as a final question for both of y'all, and I'll we'll start with Maxim. So if you were, uh, there was like, you know, a dozen parakeets, a flock of parakeets coming at you. You have a guitar. Uh, how do you defend yourself? Are they coming at me aggressively? Yes. Yeah. They want to. They want to peck your eyes out. I mean, there's there's only one way to defend yourself with a guitar, and that's to grab it by the neck and swing it through the air, obviously. Or mm -hmm. you can put the strap around your body and then do kind of like a whirlwind attack as it rotates around your torso. How many waves of parakeets do you think you would survive? I think surprisingly few if they were coming at me in a, with an aggressive attitude because the problem is they're so small. They're, they're small targets. And assuming there's like, you know, 10 in each wave with one swing, I could probably take about four or five. Then I have to swing again. The guitar is heavy compared to the parakeet. So I think maybe like, could I mean, if they were just sitting on like a tree, I could probably kill like a thousand of them. But like... Yeah. They're coming at me, maybe like 30 or 40. If I, if I can't use my hands at all and I have to use a guitar and I can only do use the guitar, I'm getting through about five before I am okay. covered in sweat and being eaten by parakeets. So we get out there that Maxim Allen is a bird murderer, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I think that was an admission. I go by birderer. So thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be um, the title and full description of this. So everyone knows. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew, similar final question for you. Uh, attacked by guitars. You are. Well, <laughs> let's 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 do an empathy exercise here. You are a parakeet. You're chilling on your branch, minding your own business. Okay. Sure, you're there. Uh, a madman comes at you with a guitar. How do you and your parakeet brothers defend yourself? First, I'd be like Maxim, why? And then I would uh, <laughs> guess what I'd do. I'd just fly away. It's that easy. Guitars can't fly. Okay, I think Matthew has won this debate. Sorry, boys. <laughs> it goes to Matthew. All right, all right. Great fight, though, Maxim. That was uh, like an excellent... Parakeet sounds, they have no low end. It's disgusting. Just all highs. <laughs> Come on. It's uh, wonderful. It's that beautiful treble, just the treble. <laughs> it's like classical music being played through free airplane earbuds. <laughs> it's the... They are the opposite of all about that base. All treble. <laughs> all right, gang. We're zeroing in on the next debate here. Maxim, would you like to uh, uh, be the be the first make the first argument this round? Let's do it. Uh, your topic will be arguing in favor of the best album. And Jack, you will be arguing in favor of not the best TV show. But the best TV show title. Ooh. Okay. All right. Maxim, do you have something? This is a tough one. This is a tough one. Best album. There's so many good albums. And like, I'm definitely going to pick something that you two haven't listened to, which is a problem. <laughs> um, it's all about that debate. Let's all about that it. debate. That's true. Okay. No trouble. Uh, the best album album of all time which is better than any tv title is for sure the 2016 lp by the progressive death metal band gojira entitled magma 
Magma is not Gojira. Every album by Gojira is an absolute banger. It's a masterpiece beginning to end. However, Magma carries a special weight in their discography as Magma was written shortly, probably within the, the year following the death of the mother of the vocalist and the drummer who are brothers. And this album has carries the most emotional weight of all their previous albums because it explores the concept of the afterlife and rebirth and grief and loss and all those things carry through each song in a completely unique way that still brings that heavy Gojira sound that we've come to know and love while also giving you a moment to reflect on the ones in your life that you care about and how you will feel when they one day die. And that is the best album of all time. So that was beautiful. Uh, Full disclosure, I've not seen a single episode of this show but uh, I think Cougar Town is just a sick title for a TV show. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, obviously some images that are evoked through the title Cougar Town. But, you know, I like how much is left open, you know. Presumably there's, you know, older women probably, you know, living their lives, being free-spirited, whatnot, in this Cougar Town. Also, there could maybe be, you know, the appearance of a cougar in the show, I, I I wouldn't rule that out. Uh, yeah, I'll yield my time. I'm I'm yeah, Cougar Town. Pretty sick. <laughs> so I have a question for both of you. Mm-hmm. I I would or it's it's sort of it's open ended enough. It's not a real question. Let's try this half question. This is the half question episode. Imagine the uh, because I have not listened to Magma, and I assume Jack, you have not either. No, I'm not. And okay, I've never so pick, seen Cougar Town. Neither have I. <laughs> I'm in an interesting position here because I have seen Cougar Town. What? Oh, <laughs> <I'm> good. <laughs> I seem like an episode. I, yeah. Um, here's I want you both to imagine, based on Maxim's very thorough description of uh, Magma, I want you both to imagine that album, uh, but with the title Cougar Town, and uh, maybe just maybe just talk about that for a minute, uh, Maxim first. Oh my God. It, it almost feels like sacrilege to make this to make a joke about it. It's literally about their mom who passed away. <laughs> like, like, what if this was actually called Cougar Town? <laughs> okay, uh, here here's an example. Okay, this song, this is the end of the album. This song is called Lowlands. It's a beautiful video, but one of the bridges in the song, the lyrics are, "You're invisible." You're on everything. Tell me what you see when you're everywhere. Talking about their mother in the afterlife. And I think we could rewrite these lyrics to you're invisible. You're in everything. Tell me what you see when you're in Cougar Town. And I think it still works. (laughs) Yeah, I'll also riff off the open ending question. And I feel like to just go even crazier, if Cougar Town, the show, from what I know about it now, uh, through a bit of Googling. If it was called Magma, I think it would do just as well. I think it's just spicy enough, just steamy enough to uh, work out. Um, But for the sake of the argument, it's not a better title. You know, Cougar Town is still the best title of any television show or program of all time. Uh, But just giving, you know, doing the boys justice, I think that uh, rest in peace to their Magma mom. (laughs) also after reading a short description of cougar town and then retitling it magma magma would be kind of a hot sex word i don't know in what what context that'd be a kind of a spicy one (laughs) i this is a this is a first on the podcast and that is a debate cut really short because actually not even good length there's an obvious answer here. The winner is Maxim. What? Yes. The winner is easily Maxim. Jack, you argued the opposite of your points at one point. So, well, here's what I'll say. Because honestly, Cougar Town is such... no. It's it's chosen. No, no, no. It, Go this for is it. this is just like you know post argument stuff. Because Cougar Town is so good as a name of a show. Like you get it or you don't. You know, you either defend it 
or you're just like, you know, you come out and say that Cougar Town is the best thing. Like, like, you know, how can I argue for it? It's just, it's, it's, it's the way it hits the ear and it's, it hits my ears like magma. <laughs> I will say Cougar Town is a fantastic name of a show. Cause there's kind of like a, there's like a horny bait there. Like it's like marketing. They're like, what if we call a show Cougar Town? Then we can get men to watch it. <laughs> yeah. Also like right around, that was right around the time that like Cougars were being talked about. Like, Oh, this is what a Cougar is. And they're like, quickly, quickly, quickly cougar town make a show about it make a show about it you know i haven't heard anyone described as a cougar in a long time that was probably like late 2000s right first episode was 2009 yeah kind of early 2000s i feel like i feel like the cougar thing was definitely like a late 90s kind of american pie phenomenon i sort of feel like that that checks out I sort of feel like you've only stopped hearing that because you become a cougar in your old age maxim matthew and i you know we're we're always using the phrase right you know we were just talking about you yeah. earlier we got cougar that cougar this. on tonight cougar that that's right <laughs> we do describe you around the <laughs> around the room as a as a cougar we're like all these all these comedy friends we've made they're such cougars oh, God. I, oh that just makes me feel like i'm grooming you guys i hate that <laughs> what's what's a male uh cougar isn't that like a is that a silver fox is that like the same thing like i guess i think the the male version of a cougar is a pedophile right yeah <laughs> you know i think yeah you're like a yeah you're probably right you're probably right yeah yeah well i think we've got about uh, enough time for another debate oh yeah, boy we do actually and i've got the topics right here and i'm just gonna say i think this is gonna be a nice one uh matthew your topic is board game so you know get the gears turning on that one Maxim, yeah. your topic is uh, war. Uh, oh. Choose choose a war, mm. you know, or if you'd like, you can also argue for the idea of war, but I think it is meant to choose a war. Okay. Yeah, so right. Matthew, if you want to start. What's better than a game that can simulate the excitement of Live naval combat. That's right. We're talking battleship, baby. Let's get into it. It requires immense skill and focus. It requires you to jump into the head of your competitor. It is a tactical game. It requires such strategy. More strategy than ever exhibited in any real-life war. You can look it up. Just don't look <laughs> it up. I. It is a wonderful game. It is fun to play. It can be, it's easy to pick up, but difficult to master, which I think is the best games can be defined that way. Uh, I yield my time. And what's better than sitting down with your friends pretending you're in naval combat? (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what it is. It's actually being in naval combat. In the Battle of Jutland in World War One, when primitive destroyers met in the North Sea, I believe. And back in those days, there were no safety precautions. There were reports of guys who would flood their own gunnery compartment and drown to death so the ammunition would not explode the entire ship. Back in the days where men were men, and there was no strategizing with your buddies and trying to get in their head. It was all about sitting in the trenches. When you see the gas, you put on the mask. It's just, it's straightforward. It's a good old fashioned war. I think, once again, this is one of those things human history without the board game Battleship, fine. <laughs> human history without World War I probably probably still shitty we'd probably just be in a shitty place still we'd probably be like there would still be monarchs which is crazy <laughs> so yeah i'll turn it over I, a war yeah. is better than uh simulated guessing warfare also battleship has no there's no tactical strategy in battleship okay the strategy is i guessed a spot i hit a thing now i'm gonna guess the four directions around it and then just infer where the ships are you're there's no there is no true choice. Um, Matthew, I have a question for you. <laughs> okay. So if you were, you know, say playing a game of Battleship. Which against, I often do. Which you often do, but 
how about your adversaries? The are you know the best board game, so you say, but you're not just playing one of your pals. You know, you're playing a game of battleship against Britain's Royal Navy Grand Fleet Admiral Sir John Jellicoe uh, from the Battle of Jutland. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you how, how you, that would go. Yeah, yeah. How would that go? Give, give me a, you know, a play-by-play. So here's the, first of all, I'll mention real naval experience is nothing if not experience. It's in the thing I said. So would he defeat me? Perhaps. But it's all in good fun. It's a fun game. You know what's not fun? Death, dying, trench foot. War? <laughs> World War One? The least fun war? Battleship is the hoot. You get all the excitement of simulated war without any of the horrible, horrible consequences. I can play a game of Battleship and get my dopamine so damn high that I'm running around the room for 10 hours afterward. But if I went into World War One, I'd get that kind of excitement and then I'd die or I'd like my body would go moldy or something. I don't know. It just it doesn't seem like a fun time. I would never want to be in World War One, but I would play a battleship until I'm until I'm purple. Frankly, I would play I would be in World War One. I'd go purple, but I wouldn't enjoy it. It wouldn't be because of how much I'm. you understand. I I the purpleness has nothing to do with <laughs> it's it can be a good or a bad thing. In this case, it's a good thing. It can be a bad thing. In Maxim's case, World War One is stupid. Why would you simulate warfare when you could be in warfare? When you could, <laughs> why, like, why spend a little bit of time playing a board game, having fun, going home, and then being like, man, what is the purpose of my life? When you can just sit in the trench and know that, oh, I have no purpose. I'm going to run over this mound and get riddled full of bullets in a, in a, in a second. And if I don't, I will jump into another hole and stab a guy with a sword on my gun. And that is my purpose. I think the thing that we, the luxury of uh, being able to sit and think about our role in the world is it's a little bit too much. Sometimes I think we need to get back to the basics. We need to get back into the trenches of the Western front. We need to be digging tanks out of frozen mud in Eastern Europe. We got to be doing all sorts of fun frankly bonding activities like we that why would you play a board game when you can dig a trench with your buddies uh because digging a trench with my buddies sounds horrible it's backbreaking labor and then it kills you um versus (laughs) (laughs) versus playing a quick game and then going to get a snow cone and on the walk back from the snow cone it's like you know what we should do when we get back it's like play battleship i was thinking the same thing and then you like high five, and then do your secret handshake, and then maybe make out a little. But the point is, you can't do that uh, in World War One because, like, if you made out with your buddy, everyone would be like, that's how you get trench mouth. And then you both got trench mouth, which is gross. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, do you want trench mouth? I don't. I just want to make out with my buddies and play Battleship and be like, ah, you sunk my aircraft carrier. And you know what? No aircraft carriers were harmed in the making of that experience. It's a great experience. The simulation offers you the best of it without the worst of it, which is why Battleship is so much better than World War One. Tell me, did Battleship give us the Soviet Union or the Treaty of Versailles or the end of the German Empire? No, it did not. <laughs> 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 um <laughs> i low-key uh think i have reached a decision it's matthew uh, yeah i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> too many people died uh getting trench mouth and not many people <laughs> and no one got snow cones in world war one it was definitely trench foot and also trench mouth <laughs> is like a horrid new thing now <laughs> Like that's gonna be in my it, that like I feel like the next time someone has like chronically bad breath, I'll be like, "Yo, they got that trench mouth." Yeah. <laughs> I was the original. Your... That's what they. It was halitosis, and then they figured out treating it with cocaine. You could you could call it something else. <laughs> <laughs> I respect your argument, Maxim, though, because that was kind of what I was going for with arson. Uh, you know, <laughs> <Just> something... <laughs> uh, but you know, now that we are beginning to wrap things up maxim 
do you have any plugs anything you'd like to plug definitely just listen to my podcast uh don't quit your day job it's at dqydj underscore pod uh you can check it out jack and matthew were on an episode recently where i talked about their characters i think we touched on the podcast and the plans maybe we talked about that after the episode yeah, i don't remember but yeah uh go go listen to my podcast um follow me on twitter at maxim of allen i tweet some stuff sometimes it's good a lot of times i don't tell those jokes on stage when i should because i spend all day writing material for imaginary people on the internet when i should be performing it on stage so yeah follow me on twitter and uh check out my podcast great and uh you can find us um, at Matt and Jack Comedy on Instagram. You can also find me at Matty underscore Cuts. That's M A T T Y underscore K U T Z on Instagram and Twitter. And I don't have a Twitter, but you can find me at Jack Homesley. Probably, you know, you're probably already following me for listening to this. Uh, That's true, you know, but it's but it's nice it's... to spell it out real fast. I think. Right? Yeah, it is. For it is a flex. <laughs> I, when Maxim did it, I, I felt a bit jealous, to be honest. <laughs> um, also just well, before Max, we go thank you so much for being here yeah, yeah. Maxim oh. this was so fun but just before we go just you know we had five debates Maxim you won two Matthew you won three I didn't win a single one Matthew you're now the you've won the most debates in apples and oranges history you've taken Whoa. Uh, Maxim you're tied for third most debates with our okay. friend India so good good That's job pretty you, good this is bronze medal I would say um, the debate structure is um, I was a little surprised. I was like, oh, whoa, we're actually giving like we're going to do a statement. We're going to compare and contrast like I expected this fully to be like you're at a party and then you and another person are just yelling about something <laughs> that like what's better, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's ideally what this podcast would be. But instead, we got uh, structure. Uh, <laughs> It's uh, a executive producer said we needed to. Mm, gotcha. Yeah. Coming from, the, coming from the top, top down orders. It's top true. down. It trickles down, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, thank you again. And thanks everyone for listening. Bye. Yeah, thanks for having me on.